Hi, everyone, and welcome to Autism Atlas. This is Debbie Montana. I am excited and honored to be here as your facilitator of today's podcast. This podcast is entitled, Things You Wish You Knew. Today, I will be talking with the family specialists from the autism programs. They will share things that they wish they knew at the time that their child was diagnosed with autism. Generally speaking, becoming a parent can be challenging, but it can also create beautiful memories of happy moments for families of children with autism. In fact, today we will talk about different scenarios for which we encourage you to focus on the silver lining. Our hope is that this conversation will support you. Joining me today is an amazing group of professionals for which I am proud to call my colleagues. Welcome, family, family peer support workers, advocates, graduates of Partners in Policymaking, and family specialists with the autism programs, Jennifer Sanchez, Nicole Tenney, and Lynette Trivio. Thank you all for being here with me today. We're gonna to go ahead and get started. So talk to me about the initial emotions that may come with the diagnosis of autism for your child. Sure, I can start that one off. This is Nicole. Um, I think there's a myriad of emotions and feelings that come uh, for parents and caretakers when a child receives a diagnosis. In my personal experience, um, at the very moment of diagnosis and you know, shortly following that, that moment, it was really difficult for me as a mom. Um, I, I, I struggle sometimes when I use the word grief because I'm not, it's just that I felt I was grieving the loss of something I thought, the life I thought my child might have, which, um, which I learned um, as, as time goes on, but that is not necessarily the case and that it just, you're just coming from a different perspective than you once thought you might be um, as a parent. But I think it's okay and important to recognize that there are a lot of feelings that come with the diagnosis for the family and caretaker of the individual, also for the individual as well. But um, just, I think, I think it's okay for us to admit as caregivers that um, there's a level of, of grief involved or a level of um, sadness or, um, yeah, I don't know, do either uh, Jen or Lynette, do you have any, anything to add in there? Um, I think for me at least, pre-diagnosis was all of the emotions, but the actual diagnosis that just brought on a wave of relief. Oh. Just having an answer finally. It's just like, oh, you can live again. Yeah, I love that. And that's why I think it's just so different for everybody. Sorry, go ahead, Lynette. Hi, um, it's Lynette. And I think just piggybacking off of what Nicole said, there is that brief moment of grief that you go through um, because we all especially with my daughter she was my first and only child and so you have this idea in your head of all the things that 
all the dreams and all um, the goals that you want your child to accomplish. And I think it's just important to understand that it will happen. It just might not happen the way you pictured it. Yeah. Thank you three for answering. That's, that's beautifully stated. Um, what is an important piece of advice that you would wanna share with parents? Oh, I, this is Nicole again. I will uh, chime in here and say, I, I love when I'm reminded to presume competence. Um, we're always, um, you know, I think that that's just so important to remember that like our, our many times, oftentimes, um, children will rise to the occasion and but we have to to set that bar um, and so I think that's a piece of advice that I would I would give parents is just to always assume competence and always assume that there's more learning to be done there's more there's more there's always more coming thank you Nicole uh, if you had an opportunity to go back in time, is there anything that you would have done differently? This is Nicole again. <laughs> I've just, um, I've had a lot of time to think about this and I think that, yes, I do. I have a, a nine-year-old son with autism and I do wish that I had in those earlier years um, spent time in the moment with him rather than trying to um, navigate things that may or may not be issues in the future, if that makes sense. So I think I, I wish I would have found a better balance of, you know, living in the present, enjoying him in the present, and also finding a healthy balance of, of, of planning for the future. Um, and so, yeah, I saw you nodding your head, Jen. Yeah. I was working from home life. Um, but yeah, I think that um, it kind of it puts things into perspective and you kind of get permission to live because I know that before, before the diagnosis, everything was basically put on pause and it was just focused on autism and what it could be, uh, the possibilities according to Google. And so once we get that diagnosis, like I said, for me, it was just a relief of like, okay, we can do this. We can move on now. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think all of us uh, can understand and appreciate the whole balance of it all. Um, and I believe it just, I think looking back probably for you all, it's easy to look back and think, oh, I wish I had done this a little differently. But I think just knowing you three uh, on a on a personal level and on a level as being colleagues, I think that um, y'all are very strong. And I, and, I, and I think it's probably from the experiences that you share and bring to the table. Nicole, did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, if I did mention it before, something else that was really important that I wish would have been repeated to me over and over again on, you know, this repeat on in an in an ear or a ear pod or something would be that your child is the same child he or she was 
the moment before diagnosis. You know, I, I spent some time feeling like, oh no, who, who is this? Who is this child now that I have this diagnosis? And I wish that I had not taken so much time to realize he was the exact same child he was the moment before that diagnosis. Um, and the same silly kid with all of the amazing, you know, quirks that I, that we love about him and all of the amazing interests that he, he has. Um, and, and I guess I, I wish somebody might've told me earlier that it's not, it's not a sad, um, it's not a sad diagnosis. It just changes the way that you're going to live life. It changes the way that your family will function, but it doesn't need to be a sad thing. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. Completely. 100% makes sense. Um, so moving along here, uh, how did you find information and or resources about autism to help you during this time? Oh, um, sorry, this is Jen. Um, I, I found information, I found a lot of information by Googling autism and New Mexico. I may have found too much information at that point, um, but I found resources by talking to other parents through support groups, talking to my son's doctor and like, okay, you know, I, I, this is going on right now. I don't know what to do. And and having them kind of explain, okay, well, there's there's some options out there. Or talking to, he was seeing a speech therapist before we got the diagnosis. So talking to the therapist, I'm like, okay, we're having some problems in this area, and I know it's not really speech, but could you maybe help me? And so reaching out in that method, every person basically became an arrow, just kind of giving me direction at that point. Okay. Uh, caretakers often express wishing they knew how to navigate resources to support the new diagnosis. Is there any advice that you would give to parents who are facing obstacles in their search of where do I go from here? Um, I think this is kind of a two part. And the first part of it being is for new parents, you have to realize that you can't master something that you've never done, that you've never experienced before. And so you have to acknowledge that there are going to be obstacles. And in those times, you have to also remember that as isolating as life may feel at that point, you are far from alone in these experiences. And so your first step should always be reaching out outside of that and in looking for that information. The second part to that, that was more of like a community responsibility, like what we're doing here, you know, when providers and professionals and doctors, we have to make ourselves known. We have to share our experience and our knowledge so that those parents kind of have like a little light source to, to go towards. And, you know, together we're breaking down these barriers and ultimately removing those obstacles. So it really is kind of a shared responsibility. Yes, indeed. I love being part of that responsibility and helping families. Um, 
So is there something that you have come to wish that you could have done differently with regard to your search for those resources or for uh, your search uh, for supports in general? It, it's gonna vary from person to person. For me personally, what I wish I had done was kind of swallowed that pride pill sooner. Because before kids, I was never the kind of person who wants to go and, and ask for help. I always put all responsibility on me. And I finally came to an experience, like I mentioned, that I had never gone through before. I had no information to fall back on. Um, so for me, I wish that I had kind of swallowed that pill sooner and, and asked and reached out quicker. And I probably would have gotten more answers and, and who knows what path we could have been on. I don't think we did anything too wrong, <laughs> but there's always, once you get to this point, there's always that what if anyways. Sure, absolutely. Nicole, did you want to add anything? Uh, yeah, just to follow what Jen so eloquently stated, um, I think it sometimes, and it is, it's such a personal journey for everybody, but um, I think for a lot of, of caregivers, parents, um, it might be helpful to try and um, network with other families in similar situations. Sometimes that's a good way to um, find other resources and, um, and, and help each other navigate this, this special world we live in. That makes sense. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you both. Um, do you have any encouraging words that you wish you had heard when your child received the diagnosis? Um, this is Lynette. So I think two phrases in particular come to mind. And the first one would be, you are not alone. And the second would be, it's not always gonna be this hard. Um, I think the time after a diagnosis can feel really overwhelming and some of us may have had some sort of suspicion that our child there was something amiss with our child or this might have been the first time we any of us even heard the word autism uttered and so I think regardless of how your journey began um, you're not alone um, when you feel like nobody understands what you're going through um, remember that there's all these autism moms and autism dads and caregivers out there who know exactly what you're going through, who have been there. And I just also think that sometimes it can be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, mm -hmm. especially when we're kind of needy in a meltdown, when we're having all of those emotions and it can feel like this is never gonna end, but it is, it's gonna get, it's gonna get better. That's only um, something that we're experiencing in the moment, in, in the time being, and I promise you it will get better and it's not always gonna be this hard. And I think when we're going through those moments, it's um, a teachable moment, we know, what to plan for for the next time <laughs> and I think as autism parents and caregivers there was a quote that I saw online and it said um 
autism families or autism parents do way better research than FBI investigators. <laughs> and I think walking into a room, especially when you're in a new situation with your child, we can look and see exactly where outlets are because we have to bring iPads. We can see where an exit is because our child might vote. Um, but it's just you learn to pick up on those little things and your your parenting style may change um, just to adapt to your little one but we it's it's those teachable moments that help you prepare for the next time wow that was so powerful what you just said incredibly powerful you know i know that some of you have talked about support groups i am curious if there are any benefits that you would like to share they who have experienced of having a support group and how much of a difference did that, does that even make for parents? And this is Lynette again. Um, I did have a support group that I had up and running here within Cibola County. And we had a lot of families, not only um, families from I think we're having a few technical difficulties with Lynette's audio. Um, Jennifer or Nicole, did you want to uh, maybe add to with your experiences you may have had with support yeah. groups? This is Nicole. Um, I will just say that, and I know Jen has got great info on support groups, but uh, as, as does Lynette, but I have been so unbelievable, th unbelievably thankful for um, a, a support group in particular um, that's in my general geographic location. Um, I've met moms who have, you know, it's, it's just so helpful to find um, other parents or caregivers who are experiencing similar things. Um, and I think it's just so much more powerful than we even give it credit for on the surface. Um, that networking aspect, that that feeling like you're not alone, like what Lynette was talking about, is just so it's so important and it's so empowering too. Absolutely, I know um, from working as a family specialist before and getting phone calls. Uh, that was one of the things that parents really were seeking. You know, we're support groups. So it's, it's, I'm happy to hear that, that that's, you know, I've been a positive experience for you all as well. I think Lynette might be back. Lynette? I am back. Um, okay. So I think just to um, piggyback off of what Nicole said, being in a support group, being in a member of a support group, mm -hmm. I often find that you find so much of your best valuable information from other parents. Um, it's just because they've been there. They've, they've tried all these therapies. They've been to providers. They've gone through the educational system. So a lot of things that they've went through, they are always, I find, open to talk about that, to share their experiences, to help you navigate um, 
everything. And so, um, yeah, I, I love that openness and I love that they, they want to help. They're willing to jump in They're They've been there. They've done, they've done all of it. They have the same fears. They have the same worries. And so it just, it makes for a great, um, a great support system. So I think it's really important that you, you find that, that you build your support system. And I think also that the thing that has, the one thing that might have come out that's been good because of our current situation is that a lot of, a lot of people have become very accustomed to using Zoom. And so a lot of these support, um, these support groups, they have online Zoom meetings. So, you know, you're able to log in whenever you can. I know that it could be hard for a lot of us if we are trying to find, you know, childcare, but now you can do it from the comfort of your living room, from the kitchen table, from wherever you might be, you're able to still connect to those, um, those valuable resources to the families and the support groups. Thank you, Lynette. Jen, did you want to add anything? Just agreeing with the, the other ladies here that I think that my experience, at least with coming in and joining these support groups have just been so eye-opening, having these other women who have, especially in the moms groups for me, but meeting these other women who have, you know, gone through the experience that I'm just starting out in and then to see them gathered around the table and, and laughing and living, it was refreshing. It gave me permission to kind of do that myself. Because I had, like I said before, I just put everything on pause. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, like Lynette was saying, with the virtual groups and, and even beyond that, with online, you know, with the Facebook groups, you have access to an entire community worldwide anytime that you need that support. And it's, it's really quite amazing to know that at any moment, somebody else is out there sharing this, a similar experience as you. And... I love being a part of this community because we are so eager to help each other that if you come in with the problem, we will be there with anything we can, whether it be information or just to listen and hear you and say me too. Absolutely. Thank you, Jen. Uh, you know, in the time that I've been honored to work with parents, like when I worked in clinic, um, my role was being the first person that they would talk to. And I remember constantly hearing them uh, talk about the overwhelming amount of paperwork that they would receive, not just from our clinic, but from other providers that was related to their child's diagnosis. So, you know, when organizing all your documents into a binder, do you have any tips that you can share for other families on how to get started? This is Lynette, um, and I think there's just really no way around it. You have to embrace your, you know, innermost multitasker, best organizer that, <laughs> that you can be, um, because it is a lot. It is a lot, and I know that a lot of um, agencies, whether it be SSI or DDSC, if you're applying for the waiver, a lot of them are going to request some of those key important pieces of paperwork. And so I think that 
you know, having that binder, having those at the ready, at the go, and even something as simple as a flash drive. You're able to kind of just tuck that in your back pocket if you're going anywhere and the, you know, the pediatrician, um, the SSI office, whoever it may be, wherever you are going and they're asking you for this piece of paperwork, you can easily just hand that over to them and they can be able to pull um, what it is that they're what what it is that they're needing to help your child to receive services. So, um, yeah. Thanks, Lynette. Um, Jen or Nicole, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? I'm so glad that Lynette answered that one first because she is so great at organizing and putting, <laughs> system, putting systems in place. This is Nicole, by the way. Um, I think that it sometimes is overwhelming for parents. Like, okay, what do I keep? Am I keeping everything or like what's important? What's not? It's hard to sometimes discriminate or discern between like what, like, am I keeping another brochure or like, what am I, what, how do I, how do you decide what's important and what's not? Um, and I think, again, that's going to vary for every individual, every family, but I think here would be a really great place to plug the fact that we're here to help you do those things. If you need some help for a from a family specialist to help you get organized, that's why we're here. Um, and so, you know, it's not, it, I know that it feels like, wait, a start a binder of resources that feels like, like how, like where, what do I even put in the first, what do I even place as the first sheet? You know, like some, some parents may feel that way. Um, and so I guess what I'm just, uh, what I would like to just communicate is that please reach out to us. We, we want to help and we're here just for that specific purpose. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Nicole. Sure. Jen, did you want to add anything? Um, I do, mostly because I, I hate paperwork. Um, <laughs> so I know how important this paperwork is. It's sure. actually incredibly valuable. That's one of the sayings in our world is, did you get it in writing? Because if you didn't get in writing, it doesn't count. But what I want to add to that is, what's another important part of that is balance. Um, don't let the paperwork take over living because that is very easy to happen. You can spend so much time recording and collecting data and researching, and you should just be lining up toys on a living room floor with your kid. So balance that and don't replace it. And, and don't get discouraged with that paperwork because a lot of that paperwork is going to ask questions about the things that your kid can't do. So you need to keep in mind all of the things that they can do and all of the things that they will do and all of the things that you have already overcome because you're going to constantly go back to that. Absolutely. Wow. What, a, what an amazing, beautiful way to end our panel today. I would like to thank our brilliant panel for joining me today on, at, on Autism Atlas. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today as our panel shared several creative tips to support parents and guardians of children with autism. We invite you to check out our other podcasts and webcasts on the Autism Programs Portal. If you are seeking autism-based resources and supports, please contact the Autism Family and Provider Resource Team 
at 505-272-1852. And if you're on social media, please visit the Center for Development and Disability Facebook page. We are sure to share posts with you uh, for links to access our webcasts and trainings. So please be sure to like and follow us. Uh, this is Debbie Montana with Autism Atlas, sending you wishes for safety, good health, and happiness. <laughs>